Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. Matthew chapter 2. Gatherings and gifts. Matthew, the second chapter. Are you there? Okay. Just checking, just checking. Matthew, the second chapter. Let's bow in prayer, please. Our Father, we thank you for what our ears have heard and what our heart has experienced already by being together in this place. And gracious Father, this morning, we ask that God the Holy Spirit will translate all that we have heard, all that we have experienced, and take it with the Word of God and translate it into a time of worship, praise, and joyous celebration around the living Lord Jesus. May our hearts be open and receptive and grant, Holy Father, today that as your people we might leave here more like Jesus than when we entered. Thank you for Dublin First Baptist. I pray for their search team and ask that you will impart wisdom and direction and patience. I lift to you this body and ask that you would grant unto them the same and that in your own time you will bring together pastor and people that the gracious work and the good work of this church might continue until Jesus comes. And now, Father, in these moments, I ask for your fullness, Holy Spirit, that you will quicken my mind and my heart and that you will minister to me and then minister through me in ways that bring glory to the Lord Jesus and praise to the Father. And now I pray that the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart, might be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer, in Jesus' name, amen. Matthew chapter 2. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, 
he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the, wise, all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophets, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, Art not the least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you shall come a ruler who shall shepherd or rule my people Israel. When Herod, when Herod, excuse me, then when Herod had secretly called the wise men, determined from the time that they had approached him. Then he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently or carefully for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so I may come and worship him. And when they had departed the king, behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them till it had come, and stood where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And they came unto the house where the young child was, and Mary's mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned divinely, and being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they sojourned or departed to their own country in another way. I apologize for my reading. I have a torn retina. And uh, sometimes my words run together. Long, long ago, a Persian ruler who loved his people and cared for them desired to know about their hardships and their life situations. Would go out among the people. Oftentimes he would dress as a worker and would just spend the time with them, seeing how they lived. Oftentimes, he would even dress as a beggar. On one particular occasion, he dressed as a beggar and went to one man's home who lived in a dark cellar. He ate his coarse food and spent time spreading joy, speaking cheerful words, and departed. The poor man who lived in the cellar didn't know that he was his ruler. After a few days, the king went back dressed as a king, identified himself, and thought surely that this man would request something, a favor, a gift, something from him. 
But the poor man said, To others you have given your rich gifts, but to me you have brought cheer and joy. You have eaten my coarse food. You have given me yourself. Now in reality, folks, that is exactly what Matthew chapter 2 is all about. The Lord Jesus giving Himself. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, you have the miracle of Jesus' birth, you have the method of His birth, and you have the message of His birth. I am told that there are four prophecies in Matthew chapter 2 that are fulfilled when Jesus is born. This morning in these verses, I want us to notice the gathering and the gifts. Now, first of all, we're going to look at the gathering in the first 10 verses of Matthew chapter 2. The gatherings. Probably there are more gatherings at this season of the year than any other time with, and this breaks my heart, there are more gatherings at this time of year with the exception probably of the Super Bowl. I was riding down here this morning And that dawned on me. And that is a shame, but it is probably true. Christmas gatherings have become tradition. Is that right? We gather with family. We gather for fellowship. We gather for food. There are office gatherings. There are all sorts of gatherings. I find it strange that people gather at this season of the year for celebrations around Christmas who cannot say Merry Christmas. They say Happy Holidays. Isn't that strange? They have a Christmas party, but they can't say Merry Christmas. I find that to be very strange. But two things about the gathering I want you to see. The first, I want you to notice the people at this gathering. Now, there are three groups of people at this gathering, and you were or you are still one of these people. Now, the first are the inquirers. That's the wise men. They come asking, where is he? Now, what I am told in the Greek, it is an inquiry that they just didn't wait till they got to this place. When they got there, they started asking, where is he? They wanted to know where he was. 
So they ask, where is he? This is the first question in the New Testament, and it is a question that you and I ought to be asking, where is the Lord Jesus in relation to my daily life? Where is he? When I get up in the morning, where is the Lord Jesus in my heart and in my head? Where is he? These are the wise men. They're wise, but they are not all knowing. Have you ever been around someone that knew everything? Not fun to deal with those folks, is it? Come on now. It isn't. It isn't pleasant at all to be around folks that absolutely think they know everything. These men are wise, but they're not all-knowing. However, they know enough to know that where they are is not where they desire to be. Right? Right? You aren't smart if you don't know that much. And you aren't smart if you don't know enough to ask the question of where is he? I heard about a lady in one of the busy malls who was just exasperated. She had had it. And she grabbed up everything that was hers and she made her way to the elevator. And when the elevator opened, it was full. But they squeezed and squeezed and let her and her packages in. And when she got in, she was just exasperated and she said, I don't know who thought up this thing of Christmas, but he ought to be tied, flogged, and hung. And several people on the elevator agreed with her. And finally a voice from the back said, Well, they did crucify him. Where is he? Now the first question in the Bible is, Where are you? Now I'll tell you something. Where you are spiritually is dependent upon where he is. I'm not trying to be cute, but where you are spiritually depends upon where he is. So the first group are the inquirers. Where is he? The second group of people are the informed. That's the chief priest and the scribes. They know, verse 4, they know. They have the answer. The king calls them immediately. They're able to give a response. They don't need time to pray, to fast, or do any research. They immediately have an answer. Do you and I have an answer for the hope that is within us? 
I don't want to upset you today, but listen, folks. If I'm talking to college kids today that haven't been brought up in church, and I'm talking to them, and I say to them, the Bible says, what are they going to say to me? They're going to say to me, I don't care what the Bible says. Because to them, if they've never been in church, if they don't have a biblical foundation, they don't care what the Bible says. And you and I have to have an answer. So you best be praying for Jason. And all of those who are working with children and young people so when they leave here and they're out in college and they're out in the world that they're going to be able to be salt and light and have an answer by living a life that shows Fourth, Jesus, the informed. The third group of people at this gathering is the indignant. That's Herod. When Herod heard this, Herod and all Jerusalem is troubled. Why? You see, Herod was appointed governor. He did some good stuff and then he drove the enemy out and he goes to Rome and he is appointed king of the Jews. He's not a Jew. He's an Edomite. But he's appointed king and he cannot tolerate a threat to his throne. Herod killed two of his own sons, had one of his own wives, his favorite wife, executed one said, it was, you were better off being Herod's sow than his son. He is a murderous tyrant. He couldn't tolerate a threat to his throne. And here he is, pretending he is indignant. That's the people at the gathering. Now, the second thing about this gathering is the purpose of the gathering. All three of these groups have a purpose at the gathering. Look first, the purpose of the inquiries is directions for worship. What do they say? We have seen a star in the east and are come to worship him. Every one of those words is important. We've seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. I don't know how far they traveled. Some said they traveled, that the distance was between six weeks and two years. 
Now that's based upon what? Herod having executed all the males in Jerusalem two years and under. I think it probably took them around 18 months to get from where they were to where Jesus was. All I know is they came from the east. The distance, the dangers, and the difficulties. They come. Some effort is involved. To worship. To worship. That is to bow before, to kiss, to humble themselves. Now we say these are kings, magi. We don't know. We don't, we don't know how many they were, do we? Because of the gifts we accept the traditional three. There may have been a dozen or more. We don't really know how many there were. But they've come to worship him. Him. Not Mary. Not the gold. Not the glitter. But they've come to worship him. The inquirer's purpose is directions for worship. Secondly, the informed's purpose is to display their wisdom. You see, they know the answer. They have the answer ready. But having the answer, they didn't travel the five to seven miles to see for themselves. Would you not think that having such knowledge and these men coming and inquiring about it would prompt them going to see for themselves. But no, they do nothing with the knowledge. Just display their wisdom. Now, the indignant's purpose is to destroy the worshipped. That's what Herod's intention is. His intention is to kill Jesus. That's it. That's it. His intention is to kill Jesus. He cannot tolerate the very thought of arrival to his throne. So that's the gathering, the people and the purpose. Can someone please get me a drink of water? Is it overly hot in here? Hmm. I'm asking because I'm... <clears throat> I do not want to fall out on you. That's, that's the reason. 
I'm about to do that. It's been a long time since I have. It's been a long time since I have preached without my coat, but I'm about to preach without my coat. <laughs> the second thing I want you to notice is the gift, the gifts. Now, when you and I, when you and I buy a gift, we usually buy that gift for the person and for the personality of that person, don't we? I mean, if I buy something for my wife, I try to match what I'm buying for her and her personality. Isn't that what we usually try to do? I mean, men that are married usually try to buy something for their wife that, uh, well, one or two things. Either she's going to like it or she's going to fake it and then take it back without your knowledge. <laughs> you know, that, it's, going to be, it's going to be that way, one way or the other. Thank you, my brother. Uh, it's, going to be, it's going to be one way or the other. Okay. I heard about uh, one man who gave his wife a set of snow tires for Christmas. <laughs> one lady had in her stocking a gift certificate for a flu shot. <laughs> one lady gave her husband a burial plot. Now, all of those things are quite practical, aren't they? Um, but I would not think any of those things to be appropriate gifts at Christmas, would you? Not at all. Now, I want you to understand something. The giving of these gifts is not additional to worship. The giving of these gifts is an element of worship. Do you understand? Giving is a part of worship. It's not to be tacked on as if it's not important. Giving is a part of worship. Uh, I personally don't like it done at the end of the service. It seems as if it's to me. Giving is a part of worship. It can be received at any time in the service. It can be received at the end of the service as long as it is given as a part of worship. These men had no problem in giving their gift because they had already given themselves. When we give ourselves, we can then give our gifts. It is very difficult to give our gifts when we have not given ourselves. Now, these gifts are literal, but they are also symbolic. 
and you've heard this. This is nothing new, but I want to refresh your memory. There's, first of all, a gift for sovereignty in verse 11. That is gold. That is gift for a king. Jesus was born a king, not to become a king. He is born king of the Jews. Jesus never, ever, never, ever placed aside his deity. He was God Almighty when he was born. Say amen. Amen. He never ceased being God. I don't understand that. But that little babe that you and I talk about was fully God when he was born. He willingly placed aside or shrouded his deity in human flesh. He was born a king in order to become a savior. The gold is a gift for sovereignty. He he has the right to rule. The frankincense, secondly, is a gift for supplication. It has that sweet aroma. It is offered in the temple, the scent. Jesus now intercedes for us. So the question is, for whom am I interceding? The third gift is the gift for suffering. That's myrrh. It's connected with Jesus twice. At his burial, they used a hundred pounds of myrrh on his body. She used for embalming. When Jesus was on the cross, they put wine mixed with myrrh on a sponge and offered it to him, and he refused. Later, Jesus in John's gospel said, I thirst. And they put wine with vinegar on a sponge and he received it because it did not have myrrh. Suffering. Now mark this down. In Isaiah 60, verse 6, when he comes again, gifts are given but only gold and frankincense. There is no myrrh. Suffering is past. The babe that came will come again. You know, I've I've come to know why we all love Christmas. You know why? Everybody loves a baby. 
don't we? Men even love a baby until it comes time to change it. <laughs> but you see, here's the reality. We, we, love, we love the baby. The baby needs us. We control the baby. We hold the baby. We rock the baby. We feed the baby. The baby needs us. Therefore, we like the baby Jesus. But hear this this morning. That baby Jesus is the same Jesus that conquered death, came forth after he was beaten, bruised, bled, paid the full price for our sin, rolled the stone away, resurrected. That's the same Jesus that controls. The gifts. Time has passed from Matthew 1 to Matthew 2. You, you all know that. The wise men come to a house. Time has passed. Herod sends his men. One of the things I want you to get. The Lord said to these wise men, I want you to return a different way. After they worshipped, they left a different way. I really believe, folks, when we encounter the Lord, we leave differently. And because of that, Herod demonstrated what was in his heart by the slaughter of these male children two years and under. What's in my heart? What's in your heart this morning? Is it worship? What's really there?